Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. It is November the 16th, 2021. My name is David Underwood, and I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how you doing, man? Good. How about you? I have actually had a very splendid day, and it's going to be a nice temperature tomorrow. Everything's going well. I got some Christmas shopping already done. I, I, I got my house clean. I got some things taken around here. I, I mean, really, I'm having a fabulous time right now. That's good to hear. How about you, man? It's been all right. You know, uh, just I don't understand. I have TD Ameritrade now. I love I love TD Ameritrade. I think everybody should have TD Ameritrade or E-Trade and not Robinhood. I've talked about that in the past. But, you know, I was going over Walmart's most recent order uh, quarterly earnings report that they released this morning. And for some reason, TD Ameritrade had put their earnings as Q2 and my calculations got all screwed up because of it, but I fixed it. I was very frustrated, but I fixed it. So nice. Good. Yeah. You always do talk about TD Ameritrade and how good their charts are and their information. Mm -hmm. I like fidelity for news personally, um, but uh, I'm not a big chart guy. I go to you when we need to review the bones and see what they say, but uh, um, you know, is what it is. Right. Well, good for um, what's good for financial statements and stuff like that too is Yahoo, uh, fi- Yahoo Finance, and then MS- is it Yahoo or Yahoo, uh, Yahoo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Yahoo Finance and MSN Money is also good, but they're usually behind a couple of quarters. They don't use yes. up to date stuff. So, yep. Who knew we we're gonna get on topic of uh, where to get it, where we get our news and stuff? You know. Hey, it's important. It helps us make trades and helps us make better investments. So why not? Right. That should be a discussion one time is, you know, where do we get all of our information from? You know, you can subscribe to Reuters. Uh, you could subscribe to the S and P there's lots of places you can subscribe to, to get information fast, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's options out there for you guys, but the free options, which is what most people go by, you got fidelity. I love it for news, uh, for charts. You have uh, is it trading view, trading chart view. Uh, trading view is good. Trading view, yep, that's another one. Finviz is good. I like Finviz. Finviz, yep. I I personally don't need either of those with the Thinkorswim app. I have all of my charting options right in front of me, so that's great. But if you don't have that, then Finviz and and Trading View are good too. There you go. Cool, man. All right. What do you say we get into the show a little bit because we got a little bit to talk about. Got some meat to go through, and, if and you if will. If you're trading earnings, optionslam.com will give you implied volatility. Really? You're getting all right. So after all right, after we get the show started, I want you to explain why implied volatility is important when choosing stocks. Okay. Because it gets some of the feedback I've I've gotten, Brandon, is people have, have have reached out and said that, you know, I still don't understand how you choose a stock or where you get your information from or why that matters and this matters and that. And that's why I always challenge you and question you like, okay, what does that mean to the everyday person? I'll be a hundred percent honest with you. I have absolutely no idea how to calculate implied volatility. I used to know. What does it mean? What does it mean? Just basically it's telling you, it'll give you an implied volatility for the week, for the month, all that stuff. And and it tells you what option options traders basically is taking all the data from puts and calls that are bought in the uh, market. And then it's making an equation. And then it, it, and then it basically is supposed to tell you 
what people are thinking the stock's going to move. So if the stock's going to move up or down 8%, so 8% will be the implied volatility up or down. So it could go down, it could go up. And that's where people are basically estimating the stock's going to move based on their bets. It is almost always, not all the time, but almost always an overshoot. So if you've got an implied volatility of 8%, usually the stock's not going to hit 8% because people are overestimating moves. They do it all the time. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're buying, I know a lot of people who buy uh, puts and calls on options and they don't necessarily buy the actual move they think it's going to hit. They buy a move outside the money a little bit further up. So because if they, if this one moves, that one will move even more and they'll make more money. It's, yeah. it's all about greed, right? Right. Now, with implied volatility, oftentimes that moves already priced into the option. So your break even is going to be higher than that or equal to it or close to that. But it's always good to use for me implied volatility if I'm thinking about trading an option spread um, via credit spread. So I'll be selling, you know, the spread to somebody for uh, a premium. Question. Um, we were meant to have an article on our website about credit spreads. We're going to have that up there soon for you guys. Just want to put that out there. It's coming. It's coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> credit spread article is coming. You just, I think even with options, you, you have to be careful with them. You, you have to know exactly what you're doing. And I use them sparingly only when I hardly use them anymore. I hardly ever use them anymore. Yeah. And then you can use them for defensive posturing too, but you know, buy a put on something that you're long on. If there's going to be some short-term headwinds. Yep. All right, guys, uh, let's get into the show. Rules are this. Brandon and I get together five to 10 minutes before we record the show and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. We save the live interaction. We don't discuss anything until you actually hear it live on the show. So that is all we've been told is, hey, this is a topic. I'm going to bring up this topic. I'm going to bring up. We get a couple of minutes to do a quick little research if we want to or pull it up on our screens. And then we get at it. And so this is what you're hearing. You know, we actually say this is real us actually talking here is what you're hearing. You're hearing us discuss these different things. So just to tonight, I'm going to go first. Um, I want to bring up a couple things. I want to start with an article, and I want to bring up, and I want to read this headline correctly. It's on the Reuters news service, and it says, U.S. retail sales surge as Americans kick off holiday shopping and brighten the economic output. Well, I have a couple concerns with this headline. One of my first concerns with this headline is that the retail sales are up and it's only because everybody's worried about the supply chain. We had talked about this on our last show a couple of days ago. I think it was Saturday. We released it, published it. We talked about how we were pulling forward sales. So these are sales that would normally have happened in mid-December that are happening now because people are concerned about not having presents available for Christmas. Because of that, you're looking at, yes, higher sales right now today in the retail market, but is this going to be sustained? Is this going to make it a hugely successful holiday? My feeling is no. We have yet to find out that we'll find out as the holiday goes on, but I, I believe this is a misleading article and it's going to lead you to buy retailers when they're not as strong as they really are. Brandon, I, I can see you itching right now. Go ahead. 
prices are up, of course, retail sales are going to be up. That, that That's a no-brainer. That shouldn't be the story. Revenues are only part of it. That's it. You need to look at the margins. Costs are going up as well. So what, what Brandon means by prices are up, guys, I want to break this down even simpler than that. So a cost of a Hot Wheels car, let's say a year ago was a dollar. Now it's a dollar five. So he's saying prices are up. So now if you sold a million of those cars last year at this time for a dollar, you made a million dollars. But if you sell it now, you're making a million fifty thousand. So it looks like your your sales are up a lot. But in fact, it's just the, the price that you're selling it at. It's up and it's inflating that higher top line number, a.k.a. the revenue number, which is what you're seeing. So that coupled with what I'm talking about, where we're pulling forward sales, you put two and two together. Yes, you get a nice uh, article that you see there and, you know, it, it looks good, but I'm concerned that it's given the wrong impression. And if we see too many of these articles, it's going to be the wrong impression. And I want to bring up something to show my point, right? So Mohammed El Arian was on CNBC recently, and he, uh, he, he talked about how the Fed has lost its credibility with making calls on TV and, and promoting things on TV. Because the Federal Reserve went on TV back in May and June and said that this inflation was going to be transitory. And they pushed that narrative through May, June, July, I think even August, there was still Janet Yellen was still saying it was transitory. <laughs> I, I believe it was September is when they stopped saying transitory. And they just talked about inflation in general. Yeah, but then she, I, she randomly said she's worried about deflation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just out of it. I'm, I'm more worried about deflation than your inflation. Yeah. That was weird as well. Right. But nonetheless, so the Fed has gone on, on record saying that it was going to be transitory. And we, in fact, over time, have found out it is not transitory. It is affecting the markets and it's affecting how we do business and how we trade stocks and invest what to invest in. And now, you know, you, you get them saying the Department of Commerce is coming out saying that, you know, it's going to be a great holiday because retail sales are up right now. Well, we just, Brandon, and I just gave you two points as to why retail sales might be up right now. And that points to it's, it may not be a great holiday. So how do you invest with this? You don't buy retails because if any retailer should already be up and have a move price in for the holidays by now, I wouldn't buy a retailer right now, you know, unless there was some other news I haven't heard yet about that retailer. So as of right now, given everything that's been in the markets today, I would say, you know, stay away from retail for right now. I'm not going in. I don't care what this article from Reuters says. That's not a buy from me. I'm staying away from it. You got to really look at these news articles and decipher them and see kind of like, okay, do I really need to use this to judge my next trade on or, or my next investment on? If you're looking for investment, the news articles shouldn't matter too much. You might even want to look at fundamentals. And like what Brandon has brought up, we're going to have this state of higher inflation right now for the next few months or so. Who knows how long it's going to last. Look for areas that have a high profit margin because they're going to be able to eat this inflation and not drive higher costs to the consumer. Brandon has preached that over and over again each week. It's definitely something that's true. So if you're going to look for an investment, look for something like that and a company of good fundamentals. You look like you want to say something. Go ahead. Oh, no. I just, you know, not just the gross profit margins. We're going to talk about net profit margins and why to look at those as well. Uh, because it's not just the cost of goods sold. You want to add in general administrative costs like wage hikes as well. 
right? I mean, that's the number one cost of most companies is the employees that they hire. You know, it's a high cost because yeah, employees get hurt. You got to cover that. You got to cover health benefits. You got to cover a lot of things with employees that adds up very, very quickly. Employees are high cost to a company. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're looking at this. So you're looking at investments that have have these that are against inflation. That's why we we were preaching the video for a while. I on the last show we published, I, I came out and I said, look, I sold most of my Nvidia position. I sold my principal and a large portion of my profit. I kept some in there for a long term hold on investment. But I, I got out of it because I, I it's kind of floating around right where it's at and it may move higher and I may be missing out on huge 20, 30% returns, but I'm good right where I'm at. I, I made a lot of profit off of it. I started calling on the show at a hundred bucks. So now it's at, or 200 bucks. Sorry, I wish I called it a hundred, at 200 bucks. And now it's at 300. So I made a good amount of money, but you know, you got to move on from these and find other ones. Uh, one thing I will mention, you know, is uh, as, as you're looking for other ones, what, you know, are you looking to, invest day trade what are you looking for if you're looking to day trade right now with the moves in bitcoin i mentioned also on the last show riot and bitcoin recently dropped and riot dropped more than what bitcoin dropped percentage wise and you know that's what i've i've talked about on 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 here is riot moves faster than bitcoin if bitcoin stays flat riot drops right now i see bitcoin staying flat so riot looks like it's gonna drop that's something i would i I, I am so close, Brandon, so close. I'm like, I, I'm just, I'm almost there to say it's a definite put or short, but I'm not quite there. You know what I mean? Right. Well, I'm not you, quite there. I would rather invest in Bitcoin than Riot if I'm going to yeah, do a long-term uh, investment. Yeah, yeah, that's one, you know, well, if you're going to buy Riot because of Bitcoin, you might as well just buy Bitcoin. I agree. Right. For an investment, Riot is just a day trade. I use it as a day trade. I keep it on my watch list to day trade it, not to invest in it. And so right now with Bitcoin staying flat, Riot typically in the past historically has slowly dropped down as Bitcoin has stayed flat. They, people lose interest, they take their money out, and they want to invest in other things and try to uh, get their big returns on those options mm-hmm. outside the money, right? Yeah. So that, I mean, that that's my two cents on that. I, I don't like these articles that when, when you know, Fed says uh, inflation's, you know, transitory, eh, I'm not going to invest off that article. Just like I'm not going to invest off this article that says economic output for the holidays looks great because retail sales right now are up and that's like this is where i think instead of listening to the federal reserve you should listen to the people that are actually out there dealing with it and turn on the conference calls and listen to the ceos and tell you they will tell you it's not transitory exactly they all said that too back then they were all saying that back in june everybody all the on like you said on these conference calls i listened to a, a couple of them one of my favorite guys is is JP Morgan and and they even said it wasn't transitory back then. I mean it's it's Amy you gotta yeah you gotta listen to these conference calls. If you're if you're interested in a company, listen to its conference call because they're going to cover things that you won't hear on the news in the news wires on any news service. You won't hear it, and you can hear the tone in their voice when they talk about something, and you could kind of you could learn a lot about how someone feels about something by how they talk about it. And so if they're not too pumped up and awesome optimistic about the good news that are important that must mean there's really not much there 
and you can hear that in someone's voice if you if you listen to these conference calls yeah. and that's why it's really important if you have the time and that's a company you're interested in investing in pull up their last conference call and just give it a listen yeah uh, or if you have your bs detector if you've got a good bs detector some right. of those CEOs and, and board members on those conference calls uh push out a lot of bs Today, right i would name robin hood as one of those companies <laughs> that does that but he, he uses the right buzzwords and he has to pause to come up with the buzzwords in his interviews yeah. it's it's funny to watch and i i go and guys i only criticize these ceos on these interviews because i've been trading now for almost 15 years and i've seen a million different ceos on interviews and it's like that's why I'm critical now of them when, when they give these interviews. Cause I'm like, no, no, I've seen 900,000 do it better than you, buddy. You, you gotta, you gotta show up here. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, I mean, rights when I'm looking to do a trade on, but it's, it's going to be a put if anything, or a short, it's not going to be a buy. So Brandon, we knew I wouldn't have much, but that's why I'm throwing the ball over to you. And it's uh, your turn to take up the mantle right now. If, so if somebody's doing their earnings call, and they have to bring up some obscure accounting language that nobody in the past has ever heard of and point to that as, as a positive instead of showing you their gross profit and their sales and talking about that as a positive, then you've got a problem. Right. If, it, if it's too complicated to explain, it means it's not true. Right. <laughs> trying to distract you, right? Like Robin Hood did with user accounts look look how much money these people have in our in our account and it's like who cares you're not turning it into revenue so it doesn't right phase me either yeah. way. you're not making any money off of this what do i care okay well you were talking about retail sales and retail sales being up i don't know what was it 1.7 percent or something year over year it was one yeah one percent right around there and i'll pull up the article while you're talking just to be sure I, Walmart reported earnings today. So I just wanted to use them as an example. And I'm not picking on them too badly. They, they didn't have a bad quarter. They did report stronger than expected third quarter results. Total revenues were up about 4.3% year over year. I mean, that, that's a no-brainer. Of course, they're up. Prices are up. So revenue is going to go up, right? $140.5 billion in revenue. That topped estimates of $135.43 billion. Earnings per share increased 8.2% year over year to $1.45, and that beat estimates of $1.40. So I'm, I'm more concerned with that earning per sh- earnings per share than I am with the revenue, but they did well there, so that's fine. Uh, inventory was up 11.5% year over year, they said. So, that- so their earnings, they beat on the bottom line, and their inventory was up. Yeah, at 11.5% so every year. Are they having supply chain issues? They said that it's not affecting them as much because of their scale. But this is another one of those things that I look at and I'm saying, okay, yeah, inventory is up 11.5% year over year. However, look at what inventories were last year when a large portion of the economy was still closed down. That's not a tough comparable, in my opinion. Right. The year over year is not not very good uh, comparison there. And because of their scale, because they're so big, they just have lots of inventory sitting in warehouses. Is that what they're saying? That it's that they can't sell it, move it fast enough? Well, no, I don't. They weren't trying. They were just. How do you to- interpret scale, and how do you interpret that? That's basically them being a big box store where they can set their prices better than other retailers can. 
and get inventory in faster. Do you now? How, how about this? Do you personally believe, since they're saying the supply chain issue is not an issue for them, they're going to have plenty of PS5s and Xboxes? No, no, and that's what I, that's what I was going to get to. So yes, inventory. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead. No, you're fine. Inventory is up 11.5 percent year over year. Like I said, it's it's a very easy comparable in my opinion. And then let's get into that. What is your inventory? Is it the inventory that's going to go off the shelves so that people are going to come in and buy? Is it going to be the PlayStation 5s and the Xbox Series Xs? No, because there's still a shortage on uh, semiconductors. There's still a shortage on chips. So you're still not going to get those important inventory pieces that everybody wants. You may be stocked to the brim with shirts and and pants and all that stuff but what's your holiday sales really going to look like if you don't have the stuff everybody wants they're going to have two more dvd bins in their store if you've ever been to walmart you know what i'm saying and you're you're laughing right now so yes i'll I'll tell you what they have because i was recently at one like i said trying to help dave portney out and buy his pizza i'll give it a whirl at least once right buy everything at least once for food wise see how it tastes and uh, they had a lot of those, uh, what do you call them, those shampoo, cologne sets, yeah. those, type of, those type of sets out there. They had all that set up, ready to go. And they did actually have a couple extra DVD bins. Um, but there was, like I said, there was a couple aisles of, in the toy aisle that, that was looking bare. And that's your big aisle during Christmas, right. these toys. Empty. That should be a big mover. Come on. Yeah. Parents, I know as a parent, I'm a parent myself. You buy more Christmas gifts when your kids are playing with toys than you do when they get older. Yeah. Now we were were talking about their profit margins. Gross profit margin for the quarter came in at 25.3%. Last year was 25.5%. So small, small decrease there, mostly flat. Industry average for big box retailers like Walmart, it's around 20%. So still not a bad uh, margin there for them. But do you think that's them eating the inflation? has a little bit to do with that small decrease in gross profit margin. Um, but gross profit margin, that's not the whole story either. I want to bring attention Ooh, to net still, And there's more. Okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to bring attention to net profit, net profit margin because of inflation, because gross profit margin, what you're doing is you're just taking the cost of the goods versus what you sold them for. That doesn't include increases in wages, increase of the cost of debt that you might have, uh, cost of keeping the store on, like your energy costs, utility costs, things like that, transportation costs for the goods. That's not included in gross profit margin, but it is in net profit margin. So that's the important thing that we want to look at here. And that, that will help us understand if overhead costs are being contained, right? Last year, quarter three, the net profit margin for Walmart was 3.87%. This year, in quarter three, it's 2.22%. So when me and Dave are talking about these margins and talking about picking companies that aren't in competitive industries, companies that have their, their markets cornered, this is where it becomes important because you can see gross profit margin for Walmart, not too bad at 25.3%. But once you add in all of these other things, it takes it all the way down to 22 That's a very thin margin that any amount of sustained inflation at these levels could really, really eat into pretty quickly in the future. 
And if uh, Walmart has to raise prices, then pretty much everybody's raising right. prices. Now, if you look at Target, because we want to do comparables here, they ran around a 4.48% net profit margin. Now, I'm not talking about the quarter that they're reporting today because we didn't have time to get into that. I think they're reporting it right now after hours. So we're not looking at that. We're looking at Q2 for Target, but that was a 4.48% net profit margin. Amazon was about 5.75%. So you could see big box retailers, it's kind of a small percentage. Amazon's a little bit bigger because they get to sell, you know, a, a, a bigger variety of items with different costs. But if you compare that to like Apple that sells premium products and has their market pretty much cornered, Apple has a 24.6% net profit margin. So a lot more leeway there to deal with inflationary pressures. And that's what we were talking about last week. When you pick these companies, you don't, you don't want to lump all of these companies in together and say that inflation is going to affect them all in the same way. You want to talk about the companies that have scale. You want to invest in those companies um, and the companies that have scale and the companies that have wide enough margins to be able to protect themselves from the demon of inflation. Gotcha. And these numbers tell the story. Too, that net profit margin of 2.22%, you know, Walmart would have a lot bigger of a net profit margin if they could, but it's a very competitive business that they're in. And, and with big box hate, retail, with big box retail, volume is the name of the game, right? Yeah, volume is key. Volume is king. That's what you, that's what rules the day is volume. And right now they have a lot of uh, their their overhead as far as uh, loss uh, loss prevention theft theft has gone up as well. Right. In, in all the major cities in the United States, but I, it's hard to see targets outdoing Walmart on. Uh, gross margin by double man well, we'll, to see. we'll see that's not q3 for target that's q2 so we'll see what they what they look like when uh they report earnings but and then it should, we should see an adjusted number though because of inflation right yeah that revenue is not the story revenue is not the story prices are up people still have money right now unemployment's not too bad of course at this point in time, revenue is going to be up. What's the margins on the company? That net profit margin of Walmart, that 2.22% tells the story. So given all this information, I want to know, are you a buyer of Walmart? No, no, I'm not buying think, any big box retailer right now. I, do you think Walmart's in trouble given that narrow margin? No, no, they'll be fine. They can sustain it. They'll, they'll be fine. They're, I mean, I just don't, I don't have any confidence in the stock price right now until we get this inflation situation cleared up. I'm not buying any big box retailer and I'm not buying any competitive industry for that matter. Well, not just big box. Walmart is the number one retailer in the United States. Sure. And, and number two is problems. Amazon. Number two is Amazon. I yeah. mean, come on. Walmart is bigger than Amazon yeah. people. So I mean, those, so, those, I'm not calling for Walmart to go bankrupt anytime soon. I'm just saying this is why you saw a 3% decline in the price today after earnings. Makes sense. The price drop makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's a dip you're not buying, I take it. No. No. Just like you, I'm not buying the retail sector right now. Yeah, I'm staying away from retail right now. I feel, I feel like there's just... There's too much that can happen with high inflation. I feel like we're pulling sales forward 
and that right now what we're seeing in this quote unquote retail surge that I've seen on all these headlines is, is actually what was going to happen in December and people are not going to buy in December and you're going to see sales just drop off, but you won't see any headlines about that. Sure. No, no. And, and, and that and, leads. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. There's a lot of unknowns right now, what this inflation is going to do. We haven't had the inflation and in prices around for a long time it's been just this year and if it sticks around what's it going to do to people's pocketbooks then you'll see sales decline if it gets worse right i mean and, and this brings back i mean i know we we touched this back in june that you know hey if inflation gets really bad we might go see the hyperinflation of the mid 70s and and you had brought that up and i i kind of laughed it off at that time like haha yeah yeah mid 70s inflation I'm not laughing at that now. I, I am. I'm taking that seriously now. And I'm like, you know, we might be seeing, I, I, I don't think we'll see lines at the pump like we did. And we could pump our own oil if we absolutely had to. They would find a way to release that. But well, uh, we I, I mean, I, I see the I see the recession and, the, and coming from it, from the hyperinflation. Yeah. I mean, I don't think OPEC's going to want to, punish the united states right now that that's what they did in the 70s they they punished the u.s and and decreased the supply of oil greatly to us because of our uh our involvement in the yom kippur war so that that's a bit different plus we're heading into uh the electrification of the economy and oil is always going to stick around it's always going to be uh there we're always going to need it but eventually the cars on the road are going to be electric and uh, the planes in the air are going to be electric. And oil producers are in this conundrum right now because the more profitable they are, the more uh, oil costs for us, the faster the electrification is going to come. Yep. So it's um, not, it's not, not in their own self-interest to right. go ahead and pump it up. They need to stay right in a sweet spot of demand and supply so that the price stays at least manageable to us. Uh, right. I know. I think right now California though is dealing with really high gas prices. Here in Ohio, it's not too bad. Not not yet. We're around three dollars a gallon, but I still remember four dollars a gallon. So, I tell you what, Brandon, there's this company that well, uh, just came out a few years ago, and um, they make. Uh, you know, you talking about you know uh, airplanes are going to be electric and everything's going to be electric. We're going to have electrical system. They make batteries stay cooler. And uh, <laughs> this, this company, happen? this company just just released their earnings the other day, and they had a three hundred and forty percent jump in uh, their top line number year over year. I just want to say it's uh, cooler, K U L R. I don't know if you've heard me talk about this on this show. This must be a company. Know. Did they just uh, IPO <laughs> yesterday or something? I've, I've never right heard. right. It's not like guys. I've been calling this since it was at a buck ninety, and now it's at it hit three seventy today, and it's going higher to the moon. Uh, probably not to the moon, but I see a ceiling at ten right now, unless it changes its, um, unless it comes out with more products, then it could go even higher. But yeah, sorry, that's a play on electric. Blink, but Blink's already took a gap up recently. I wouldn't buy it off this gap up. I would wait for a dip down. For sure, wait for it to fall like that. Yep. Um, you know, I spent an entire episode doing the uh, vast and expansive history of General Electric. So I figured we'll cover the breakup right now, the planned breakup of General Electric that happened while I was sick and I needed some time to uh, 
to digest the news and try to rationalize it. So let's get into that. There's a good article that I pulled a lot of my information from Barron's. I will link that in the uh, episode notes here. So we're sourcing what we need to source correctly here. But GE will break up into three companies. One will be dedicated into healthcare, another to power and energy, and another uh, will be aviation. The healthcare spinoff is slated for early 2023. Power and energy will follow about a year later. The remaining company will be GE Aviation. So you'll have GE Aviation, GE Healthcare, and GE Power and Energy. Now, I had when this happened, I, I kind of was like, I was taken off guard by it because I didn't expect it. And I I was kind of like, well, I, you know what? I trust Larry Culp. He's been doing a great job so far. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm not selling the stock, but I was still very uh, confused as to why this would happen. But so I looked into it. And there's two reasons why a company would usually elect to spin off its parts. One reason would be that the company's stock has been topping out and the CEO and the board of directors think they can unlock more value by spotlighting each sector separately. That's not what's happening here. What's happening here is that the company is playing defense. The stock has declined over the years. And it has, if you look at, at GE stock, it's, it's declined greatly over the past you know, 10 years. The CEO and the board think they have these sectors within the stock that are being undervalued. And if they spotlight them separately, the market valuations will increase. Now, this is from Barron's. This was Barron's author here was, was bullish on the stock and he gave this reason, okay? So he split it off into three sectors, the way that it's gonna be split off. And, and then he looked at the valuations of all three in comparison to their peers. And what he said was that GE Healthcare is comparable to Philips and Siemens Healthineers is what that, I think that's a German company. So he's using some foreign stocks here too. So GE Healthcare is comparable to Philips and Siemens Healthineers. These companies trade around three times sales. So if you took what GE Healthcare has a valuation of right about right now, the estimated valuation of that sector and made it three times its sales, that would give it a market cap of around 54 billion. The market currently values GE Healthcare at around $33.8 billion. So he thinks they're unlocking value there to take that value from $33.8 billion up to $54 billion. GE Aviation would be compared to Raytheon Technologies. We've talked about them on the show before. And Safran, which is a French company. And they trade around three times sales. So this would give GE Aviation a valuation of around $63 billion, where the market is currently valuating GE Aviation around $59.85 billion. GE Power and Renewables is comparable to Mitsubishi Heavy Industries and Siemens Gamesa Renewable and Energy and other power makers, which trade around one time sales. This would give GE Power and Renewables a valuation of around $34 billion. Right now, the market valuation of GE Power and Renewables is $19.63 billion estimated. Now, if you do the math here and add all of this up, the estimated valuations of the three parts of GE, it would equal to about a market cap of $151 billion. GE currently, as of today, has $113.15 billion. And if you want to try to figure out what's that mean for the price of the stock, okay, so you would take that $151 billion, divide it by the shares outstanding, 
and you would get a per share price of around $130. So that's this guy's price target, $130 for General Electric. The price of GE right now is $103.28. So that's a pretty good upside there to $130 if he is correct. And so a lot of companies, yeah, so I don't mean to interrupt you, dude, but I'm going to. <laughs> a well, lot of companies the estimation let, let me just tell you how this is estimated okay so all right go ahead go ahead let me noted that all these estimations trying to figure out what valuation the market is giving each sector in a conglomerate is very difficult to do usually one would take the percentage of sales that each sector has over the whole of the conglomerate then figure out what those percentages would translate to uh, as far as the market cap goes and as far as the stock price goes so that's how that works. The estimations are just what they are. They are just estimations, so are price targets, and uh, they're hardly ever exact. A lot of companies do this. A lot of companies do this for a lot of different reasons. Um, my concern is, is GE doing this to raise capital? And if they are, why do they need to raise capital this badly? I don't That's see my it. question. So I don't see it that way because it doesn't look like they're going to be issuing any new securities. They're just going to be dividing up what we have already. So they're not issuing new stocks to the market. They're just dividing what's out there. Well, based on your valuations, like say that healthcare one, well, that jumps up a great big as far as the valuation and yeah. what it'd be worth. And so therefore it would make sense after they do the split to issue stock on that one. and and you know, create some capital. Maybe. And if it makes sense at that time, I'll be okay with it. If I can, if I can follow the logic for it and it's not. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like, why do they need the capital? If that's the case, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just guessing here. Yeah. I'm, I'm reaching if that for would strong. be the case, we would have to go there right now. It doesn't look like that's what they're doing it for. It looks like they're just doing it to unlock more value for shareholders. Which I mean, I get because look at that. There's a Korean, wasn't there a Korean company that you just recently talked about that was splitting up to unlock more value for shareholders? SK Group. And then SK also Group. Johnson and Johnson's doing it, and so is DuPont. Yep. But for different See, a, reasons. a lot of people are doing this, man. Yeah. But why do they want to unlock more value? What's the reason for this big move recently in the past couple of months of these big wanna, companies doing they, this? They want to reverse the luck uh, that the shareholders have had for the past 20 years for, exactly their stock hasn't moved do. the way they want it to move exactly. and thus they want to keep shareholders happy so, and increase value and so they're doing it because they can't do it they can't just increase value by increasing value in the company and sales they got to do it right. through this means right but it could also that makes me question how, how strong is the company if this is what you have to do to do that but it could also make you think that, well, these people think that they're undervalued and that, that this is a way to get them to value. And maybe. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So what you're saying right now, it's not invalid because that is like when they announced this, those are, I'm a skeptic at heart. And this, that's exactly what I started thinking. But on the other side of this, now you could think, well, Larry Culper really thinks that GE is being undervalued for their potential and where they're going to go and um, the amount of free cash that they're going to create in the future. And if they, if he really believes that they're undervalued, this would be, that would be a reason to actually go down this route as well. I agree. True. Yes. But the thing is we don't know. And so us as, as uh, retail investors need to make our voice known as to what we think it is. 
by buying or selling or not buying. Right. Or selling. So they, I'm still in the stock. I'm not selling it. Um, I wouldn't now with a 30% upswing. Yeah, no, I would stay yeah. in it there for you, buddy. Yeah. But I'm not buying it. I am not. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm neutral on this news. So I just want to put it out there and let people think about it. And that's, I think we're just going to have to see. Talks amongst yourselves. Here's a talk. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Fair enough, man. Fair I, enough. I was initially, I was bearish on this. I was like, oh, what is happening? And I kept the stock and I wanted to digest it and rationalize it because I trust the CEO and he's done a really great job so far. So we'll see. Wow. We'll see what comes of it. All right. Cool. What else you got for us? Or That's everything. All right. So then let's go into final thoughts. Final thoughts. Brandon, you always go first. Go ahead. If you're seeing these revenues come in for retail, that is not the whole story here. Revenues beating, I don't care. <laughs> you know, maybe next year, if we've had sustained inflation, if revenues are still beating and, and it proves everything we've said about inflation wrong, then I will care then and it'll be a good thing. But right now, we still have all the stimulus that's been injected into the economy, all of this extra money that we're still going through at this point in time. And of course, there's going to be money. Of course, we're, we're going to have money right now. The question is, will we have it in five or six months? That's where you're looking at revenue in five to six months down the road. Right now, it shouldn't matter. Right now, the margin should matter. I like that. That's a, that's a very good point. Margin should matter. Um, my final thoughts are the same as yours, guys. Look at the question, these retail numbers. Question, really any news story you see, you know, read it, take it, read and w- take what you can from it, but question it. I like that. I like that thought process and margins should be what matters right now. You have to be able to look beyond what's right in front of your face. Yep, exactly. I do think Riot's going to take a dip tomorrow or next day. It could be right now. It's probably jumping as, a, as I record this. I better make sure. Yeah, Bitcoin's going up as I talk. So, I mean, that makes, see how much I know, guys. Um, but uh, if Bitcoin stays flat, right, we'll slowly dip down. That's what it's historically done. And if Bitcoin is staying between that 60 and 63 mark, that's really a flat move for it. And so, therefore, right, we'll slowly dip down because people lose interest in it. So that's my my final thought. But also the uh, retail numbers don't believe them, guys. Right. All right, guys, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night. If you've listened to our podcast before, you know that we are good friends with the Money Vikings. And we think that they have a lot of good knowledge and, uh, I mean, just a wealth of knowledge to offer. Uh, About 60 years worth of knowledge and trading experience between the three, between Greg, Bob, and Jerry. Now, I have some good news for you because they have announced a premium program. It's the Money Vikings MVP premium content, okay? And I have to tell you this right now. If If you are new to the market, you have got... have somebody to mentor you through it because 75% of all new market entrants will lose all of their money in the first year and you have to have somebody 
that will guide you through it to, pre to prevent you from making these mistakes that most people do. And with this MVP access, this premium content, you will get direct access to Greg, Bob, and Jerry on Discord. That's the most important feature of this program, in my opinion. They do also have access, well, they will give you access to other things, such as hot trades, weekly newsletters, technical analysis. Hey, it's ad-free. That's cool too, right? Guides and tutorials, tools and custom technical indicators, exclusive analytics and informative articles, and then, as I said, exclusive direct access to Greg, Jerry, and Bob, who have over 60 years of experience between them. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you need to get a pencil, and you need to get a paper, and you need to write this down, because you get 25% off. Once you go to moneyvikings.com and you sign up, you'll you'll get to enter in this code. It's capital T M V P 1 C K 1 N S. That is all capital T M V P 1 C K 1 N S. An easy way to remember that is TMV Pickens, but the one replaces the I. So go to moneyvikings.com, claim your discount for being a Chinchilla Picking Podcast listener, and conquer your financial freedom. <laughs>